is good to see you at Transformation Church. Come on, what's up, Transformation? Y'all doing good this morning? I'm excited uh, as we go into this second part of this series. I, I think um, this is such a needed uh, series and just a time to really talk about the family, La Familia. Everybody say La Familia. Look at somebody and say, I'm in the family. Look at the other person and say, you can't get out. <laughs> I don't know, as I, <laughs> you can't get out. You're in for life. Um, I'm glad that Jesus paid the price for our life, right? For all of it. And uh, we, we're going to just continue to talk about marriage. If you're new to our community, every week we gather around the Word of God. My name's Jamie. I'm the lead pastor here. We've got a great group of pastors that uh, lead, and we've got a great group of uh, serve team members that lead and serve here. So thank you. If you serve in this house, come on. Thank you real quick. Put your hand up if you serve on one of our teams somewhere. Look all across this place. If you don't have your hand up, come on, seat. go to our connection area right after service and sign up for one of our teams. We need you, we love you, and we need your help. And I'm just so thankful, though, that you make this place what it is and just loving on people and believing God uh, for the family, really the family of God, not just our church, but the family of God. And so um, we're believing for people that aren't even here yet. We're believing for people that would call this their home. And I, wanna, I want us to have a strong family. I think that, that our marriages and relationships are the, are the bedrock of, of community, a bedrock of society, and so... Um, Satan hates marriages. Satan hates relationships. He, he hates healthy uh, relationships. And so he's been ta attacking those things from the beginning of time, right in the very first relationship. It's amazing that um, Adam and Eve were uh, in the garden, that Adam was born, hung out with Jesus. Uh, I don't know if he was born, he was made, <laughs> hung out with Jesus. And, uh, and God said that Adam is alone. It wasn't good for Adam to be alone. And I'm thinking like he was with Jesus. He was, he was hanging out with God every day. And God said that he still felt alone. It's, it's amazing to me that, that people can be all in with Jesus and not anybody else and still be alone. Come on, God did not build us to, to only hang out with him, right? He intended for us to walk out our faith in community with each other, in relationships, in marriage. Here's why. His love is not just meant to be received. It's meant to be reflected. And so if you are only just receiving and consuming his love, it was never designed that way. And you can't truly receive his love until you're reflecting his love. And so, and so that's why Adam was called alone, even though he was hanging out with God. So it's so important to get relationships right. And uh, I want passion in my relationship. And I, I know you do too. And um, we're going to read from the passion translation today. And so, because I want some passion. Hear, hear, hear me. Passion follows priority. And so I think it's important for us to prioritize marriage, prioritize relationships, say, okay, I'm going to put a priority on this stuff. We're going to open our hearts up and listen to maybe what God has to say today with marriage and make a priority. If you're married, I think your marriage can get better. If you're as single as a dollar bill today, I think you can prepare <laughs> for marriage. I think you can prioritize some, some preparation in your life, right? We all come to to, to the altar at times in our life to get married and we say I do or I promise and here's the reality you can't promise past your preparation you cannot and so I think it's so important to prepare because many people are making promises that they don't have any preparation for and that's why divorces happen and that's why that's why pain hits and it's like we need some preparation just because let me put it to you this way if I go to the bank and I, I say listen I want $100. Can I get $100 from you? And they say, yeah, are you going to pay it back? And I say, yes, I promise. And I'm dressed up in my fine outfit, and I'm looking good and walking and smelling. Got my cologne on. I'm, they're like, I said, look, I feel good. I don't, yeah, I'm going to pay it back. They're like, oh, okay, sure. Here you go. Here's $100. No. What are they going to do? 
They're going to say, hey, where's your driver's license? What's your name? Let me run your social security number. Let me do a credit history check. Let me see if you have any historical credit to your promises. Let me see if you've kept your word. Come on. If, if, no one, if there's no uh, history of credit in someone's life, then, then, then do their promises really mean anything? No. And so, so some of y'all are hooking up with people we wouldn't even loan $100 to. I just think, like, like let's, be, let's prepare. Let's check some stuff out. Listen, I know you're in love. Give it some time. Let the, let the truth show. Let, them, let God do some stuff in their life. If you're married, come on, let God work in your life. Give it, get, let, okay, God, I need help. I'm, this is where we are in our marriage. This is the things I need to grow in. Here's what Paul says. This is the Passion Translation. You know 1 Corinthians 13. The Passion Translation, is, it's kinda, it says it in a cool way. I'm going to give you several scriptures and then give you a title. We're going to pray real quick. It says this in verse 4. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love is large and incredibly patient. I'm, I put my name in it. Come on, can I tell you, like in, I'm, I'm probably, in a lot of these areas, I'm not where I need to be. I'm going to be honest right now with me. If I put my name in here, like this kind of love, this is not where I need to be. I'm not incredibly patient. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind. I'm not always gentle and, and I'm kind sometimes, not consistently kind. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Come on, sometimes, y'all know, like when someone gets it, you see it online, you're like, man, I hope they, I pray for them right now in Jesus' name. <laughs> Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame or disrespect. Come on, I'm guilty there. Sometimes when someone does something wrong to me or does me wrong or gets me, you know, comes on my bad side or does something to me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get a little disrespect or a little, a, little shame, a little shame in their traffic. Does love traffic and shame and disrespect not selfishly seek its own honor? Love is not easily irritated. Uh-oh. This is great in the context of the family, right? Relationships, marriage. Love is not easily irritated. We can go home right now. Amen. <laughs> Altar call. <laughs> Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, but I think sometimes we're mining for dirt when we're supposed to be mining for gold. Love does not take delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat for it never gives up. One translation says, and now abide faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The passion translation says, until then, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. Yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize which you run for. My title for today is just looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for love. Y'all remember the song? Come on. Looking for nub and all the wrong. Sorry. <laughs> looking for nub. <laughs> looking for love in all the wrong places. In marriage, sometimes, and, and I've got my Jenga out again today, uh, sometimes that is uh, how we do marriage. And, and Jenga, if you've never played Jenga, anybody never played the game of Jenga? Um, and so, yeah, come on. So some of y'all need to um, become American. Um, 
No, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. Listen, the game of Jenga, here's the goal. So, so you begin to take pieces of the puzzle out from the bottom or wherever you like, and as you pull them out, you begin to destabilize the stack. And as you, as you take these pieces and parts out, it goes one turn after the other. And what you do is you take the piece you put out and you put it onto the top. And then you take another piece and that they're turned and they pull a piece and they put that piece on the top of uh, the pile. And as you do this, I'm not going to, I don't want it to fall. So as you, as you do this, you begin to destabilize the entire uh, puzzle and you try to balance, balance it out as you counteract what their moves are. And the goal is to get them to pull a piece. You get it so destabilized that they pull a piece and then the whole thing crumbles, right? And then, and then they lose. Uh, oftentimes, if we're going to be honest, this is how we do marriage. We begin to pull at the foundation and we pull pieces from the bottom and we put our likes on the top. We put our wants on the top. We put what we want and how we want and what we feel and what we care about. And we begin to stack all those on the top. And then when they finally pull a piece and the whole thing crumbles, we go, see, it's your fault. You lose. I knew it was all you. And we prove this point that the reality is it's, it's no one's fault. We've been looking for love up here and not doing anything to build each other down here. And we've been pulling from one another, looking for love, looking for my wants and my, my pleasures and my desires and their wrongs and my rights. And when it all crumbles, it's your fault. No, no, no. We've both been and you've both been pulling at the foundation. What we have to do is we've got to stop pulling from the foundation, stop pulling from parts and pieces of each other's lives to get what we want. We've got to start building on a strong foundation. I think that it's not supposed to be a Jenga match in marriage. Anybody, I know you don't have to show your hands, but come on, if you're married, you know sometimes it's like Jenga, right? You're going to one-up each other, pull each other down. And my prayer is that we would grow in maturity, that I would grow in maturity, and we'd build on a solid foundation. Paul, in this passage, gives us this picture of a godly marriage, of godly love. It's a clear picture. And you guys just read 13, just, it's clear. It's a, it's a picture of a strong, godly foundation in marriage. Here's a couple things you're going to need if you, need a, if you want a strong foundation. This is a very important one. Number one, you need a vision for your marriage. You need a vision for your marriage. You're like, man, I got love. That's not enough. Like you need, you need a vision. You need a godly vision. Like what's your vision? Marriage is not supposed to be this. It's supposed to be like a Lego box or a puzzle piece, right? So if you take a Lego box, if anybody's put together Legos, you've got a Lego box. On the front of the Lego box, there's a picture of the Legos that you're putting together. There's the picture of what you want to design. There's a vision on the front of the box. And you've got the plans and you get inside of it. And all those parts and pieces have a vision for you to put together so it looks like that. You need a vision for your marriage in the same way. Like you need to know what you want it to look like and where you're headed and what your goals are and, and what you want to dream about in 10 years and 20 years and 30 years and, and 60 years. Like what does it look like for you and your spouse? Not just the kids. A lot of times we get a vision for our kids. What does it look like in the vision for your marriage? If you're single, what does it look like? I know many of you are dreaming about a, a marriage one day, but it's not just about the dress on the wedding day. It's not just about the honeymoon, man. Come on, somebody. It's just, it's, it's more than that. There's a vision for life. Proverbs 29, 18 says it this way, where there is no vision, the people dwell carelessly. And so if you really don't have a vision for where you're headed in your marriage, you're just going to dwell carelessly. You're not going to protect it. You don't, if you don't have a vision, you're going to eat it apart. You're going to just kind of pick and pull at the, at the foundation of your life. Well, I just need love, Pastor. Man, anybody with a pulse can fall in love, somebody. Come on. 
You need a plan to stay in love. Like, I got to have a vision. I got to have a plan. Write this down. This is important. Vision for your relationship forces you to face your foundation. Tomorrow, I've been married 19 years. Come on. Some, so I don't have a picture. My wife's going to use the picture next week. Uh, and my wife's going to be teaching and, and, and preaching on singleness next week. For all you single people, come on, you're going you're gonna to learn some stuff next week. My wife, she didn't get married until she was 32, until she found Prince Charming. She waited for the best. And, uh, and uh, oh, yeah, love doesn't brag about itself. I forgot about that. Um, but, but she's going to teach on just what it looks like to wait and what it looks like to to, to see God in that season. But, but I, I, think, I think it's so important um, for you and I to face a foundation. 19 years, we've had some great years, we've had some okay years, and we've had some really rough years. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, like probably the last couple years have been the hardest, 19 years. You know, we're, have, we're hitting into teenager season, we got teens, and, and here's the reality. And we have a vision for our life. Now, if you don't have a vision for your life, you know what's easy to do? Just give up. If there's no vision, you just walk, you just shut the door. You just don't matter. You just, just, we're just, we're just going to exist, right? It'd be easy to do that with no vision, but we have a vision. We have a vision for our family. We have a vision for your life, like for our church and for what we want to do in our community. We have a vision for souls. We have a vision for helping people. We have a vision to love others. We have a vision for our kids. We have a vision. And so it forces us to face the foundation, even as painful as it might be. And so we have to face a foundation. Why? Because our foundations were built on stuff that was put into us growing up and from our past and from our parents and from our upbringing. And it's not easy to face those things. And I'm not saying that when you face those things, you go and dig up to shame. Foundation is always future focused. Think about it. You can never build something creative and something beautiful if there's no strong foundation. You can't put anything on top of anything. So foundation, what sometimes we think it's, it's, the, it's the dirty and the unglamorous, and it's true. It's down and no one sees it, but it's still future focused. It's not shaming and blaming and digging stuff up. It's actually believing and building for the future. So that's where my wife and I are really focusing on our foundation right now, just like we're, we're saying that you should be. And I think sometimes, you know, we've got to get down there and go, okay, what's the vision for my life. I say, well, I'm just, my, we're just built on, what, we're, our, our life's built on love. Our life's built on commitment. I don't even go this far. Our, we're, built, our, we're built on Jesus. We're just built on Jesus. No, you're not. No, you're not. Listen, all relationships are built on past experiences and future expectations. All relationships are built on past experiences and future expectations. And that's why sometimes we get into a relationship and all of a sudden someone's upset and there's an uncommunicated expectation. No one knew that expectation. And, and, now, and now someone's angry. You're going, I didn't even know that's what you expected from me. I didn't even know. Or, or someone blows up at the smallest thing and gets angry. And you're like, How are you, why are you acting like that? And, and it's from a past pain that you're paying for now because something happened to them in their past. You know, a lot of us pay for the pain of someone else's past that we never did. And so, and so we have these things in our relationships. And, and sometimes the reality is, listen, it's too much to deal with, right? Too much energy, too much time. So just shove it in the closet. Don't deal with it. And so then um, authenticity is replaced by imitation. And so we don't have, we don't, we don't have, I'm not, I'm not just not going to deal with this. It's another, another day. Just, we're just going to get through another day, right? I know, listen, I, some people aren't married. Like, my God, I don't know if I'll ever get married. <laughs> No, this is real life. 
There's no fairy tales in this stuff. And so, and so we don't want imitation. We want authenticity. And we want the energy. It's like that closet that you haven't cleaned out in about six years, right? You know the energy it's going to take to clean it out. You know the energy it's going to take to organize it. You know what it's going to take to straighten it out. You've got to get all the junk out. You've got to begin to fix it, organize it. And you're going to have to rearrange, walking around all that stuff, and then get it put back in there. But a lot of times we don't have the energy, so we just shove it all in the closet and shut the door. And, and usually the stuff in the closet... It's not the big stuff. Well, at least I'm not into porn. At least I'm not having adultery. At least I'm not, you know, at least I'm not an alcoholic. At least I'm not doing, at least this, well, look at their life. Well, our life is better than their life. It's usually not the big stuff that, that messes the closet. You don't shove a dining room table in the closet. You don't shove chair, a car in there. It's usually all the little junk that just accumulates over time and it accumulates and accumulates. And then all of a sudden now it's just infested inside there. Right. And you're like, don't even open that door. That's what happens sometimes in our relationships and our in our marriages. And we just shut the door. And I just want to encourage myself and you. We got to be authentic. We got to get real. We got to read the word of God. Paul says it. Here's the vision. I'm not going to cram it in there. I'm going to get real in my in my life, in my relationship. Do you know, 50 percent of marriages end in divorce. Same in the church, 50%. I mean, think about that. If I told you right now that 50% of you would be attacked by a bear checking the mail tomorrow. You, you would suit up. You'd be like, oh, you'd be going out to the mailbox different. If I told you right now, 50% of you would be attacked by a bear going to your car, leaving church. Man, what would you be doing? You'd be like, my God. Ah, Jesus. Pastor. Friends. Connect group leaders. Serve team people. Rally up. You know, I mean, it wouldn't, you wouldn't be like casually going to church. Let's just see what it's like today. I'm going to get y'all today. You'd be, you, I mean, and so 50%, I mean, shouldn't we be like rallying up with each other, connect your leaders, pastors, serve team people. I'm in, I'm in a relationship. I'm in a marriage. This is what's happening. This is what we need. This is what we believe. Pray for me. I'm praying for you. I'm believing God for you. We ain't getting beat by a bear. <laughs> Come on. Vision prepares you for bear. Prepares our lives for bear. Here, here's some things that you need to do under a vision, like just how to have a strong foundation. Number one, make it a priority. Make your marriage a priority. I know this is simple, but passion follows priority. I said it last week, like, like, like emotion follows motion. Passion follows priority. Make it a priority. It says it in the beginning of the Bible that he left, that he, Adam left, right? He, he shall leave. He shall leave his mother and father and he shall cleave to his wife leave and cleave right leave the word leave means like like actually sever the relationship it actually means like redirect your allegiances so 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 what's mom think doesn't matter doesn't matter mom's not in the house what's dad think doesn't matter no not not first and foremost there's a, you know, one of the number one reasons relationships struggle because someone fails to leave. Someone fails to trust. It said, he said, leave. And the mom and dad aren't in the house any longer. There's actually a redirection of loyalty. I'm going to leave. All of a sudden, now this is my spouse. I'm going to pursue them and now cleave. It means actually pursue closely and intensely with great zeal. The loyalty is shifted to the spouse so much so that it can be seen and felt by everybody. 
Come on, my kids are brilliant at trying to separate my wife and I's loyalty. Come on, they know how, right? You know what I'm saying? They get us separated, divide and conquer. We will defeat you. Like, we're trying to unify now and learn, I'm learning that. I got a 16-year-old, man. He will do anything to get, you know, to be, to, to rule and reign. We're working in unification, like loyalty. What does that look like? Think about this. Adam shall leave his, mo- his father and mother. He didn't have a father and mother. What do, you, what do you mean they sh- you shall leave and cleave, that he shall leave? He didn't have a, he had God. There was no father and mother, right? What is it saying? The point is that his highest priority shall be his spouse. That our highest priority is one another. Pain comes when we fail to make our partner the priority. Pain comes when you fail to make your partner the priority. So, so here's, some, here's some ways to make it a priority. Number one, fix your focus. Fix your focus. Marriage takes work. Listen to me. When you were dating and you were getting together, remember that girl's like, like you knew that he was coming by and like you, you got out of your pajamas and, uh, and he was just going to stop by and you, and, and, and you were, you put on that dress and you, you, you began to cook like a couple lasagnas and five pies and he came in the house and he's like, what's that smell? And he's like, whoa, man, you look dressed up You're like this old thing. What's that smell? <laughs> That's just a silly recipe I found earlier today. <laughs> Lip gloss all on, lips all puckered, making little. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come on, guys, you were working out, getting in shape, looking lean, praying, reading Bible scriptures to her, quoting poetry. <laughs> you were working at it. You were working. It was a priority. Your focus was working at it. Listen to me, though. Listen to me. Some of you are like, well, I'm still working. We're married. You know what you're working on now? You're actually working on them now. You got married, and you were working on you, and now you're working on them. Now all your time, your focus is all wrong. Now where's your focus? Are you working on you, or are you working on them? Have you spent the last few years working on them, trying to fix and change them? Come on, what are you doing to work on you? Here's the greatest way to make your spouse a priority. Work on you. That's what I mean by changing your focus. Like, what's the focus? Here's here's the thing you need to ask God. God, purify me. Purify me. Do something in me. I think the lie is that we're okay and everyone else is broken. God, fix me, heal me. What's going on in me? Purify me. Purity takes heat, and it's not pleasurable. It's painful sometimes, and the heat gets turned on. And all of a sudden, the Bible talks about the dross rises to the top. And, and literally, when they take uh, gold or silver to purify it, they heat it up, and stuff rises to the top, and they scoop it off. And then they heat it again, and it rises to the top, and they scoop it off. That's what it's going to be like. You're like, well, I'm not going through this because God's pulling some stuff out of you and actually scraping it off to give you purity in your life. When you say, God, focus on me, focus in my life. You know what happens when you do that? You don't, you, no longer do you have time to focus on what's in their life. It's just, God, do something in my life. It's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw this triangle. It's, it's the triangle picture. Here's what happens when we get into a relationship. Is this helping anybody today? I'm a lefty, so y'all going to have to bear with me. This is not going to be, you know, geometrically sound, all right? So you got he, you got she, you got wants, needs, pains, past, vision, 
dreams, you know, everything that someone brings to the table. You got wants, needs, pains, past, dreams, job. Here's what happens. So we get married. And, and or we're, we're hanging out, we're meeting each other. Look, look, where, look where we are on the, on the spectrum here. We've got everything in our life, we've got everything in their life, and all of a sudden now we come together, and, and, and the focus, instead of saying, God, deal with me, fix me, work in my life, we begin to, to look here, and we begin to go in this kind of, this, this lateral focus on each other. And, and even when it comes to what we want and all the things we carry, and it's this back and forth, in our relationship, and we begin to kind of say, this is what I have in my life, this is what I want. And we know that we're kind of in relationship. We know that in, in, even though, okay, hey, we get married, but there's still, there's still these things in our lives that are separate. And as we focus on God, as we focus on trying to do marriage in a godly way, we still kind of get stuck over here in these opposite ends of the, of the base, of the foundation. And we're saying, okay, hey, do something in my, my life, God. Fix me, heal me. But, but if we're not saying that, then it's all really focused on them and their wrongs. And then if we are focused on us, it's usually our rights. So, so in this position, it's our rights and their wrongs. And so when I'm talking about changing your focus, the first thing I, I think about in changing my focus is, is now I, I, don't, I don't want selfishness. Selfishness is probably the number one leading cause of divorce. And it opens the door to Satan in our life. And I don't want about what I want, my hurt, my pain, what they did, what they said, my dreams, my job, all about self and, and, and living selfishly. I have to fix my focus and I have to begin, listen to me, I have to begin to look for something different. Fix your focus on what you look for. So, so the Bible says don't look, doesn't desire in, in, in wrong, right? Doesn't desire, love does not desire in wrongdoing. And, and so for me, listen, I'm, I'm really good at finding everything that went wrong. Anybody out there that's good at finding all the things that went wrong? Can I tell you, like, sometimes in the worship service, like, I just want, I'm just, today, I'm just, I'm working on it in my own life. Like, I'm just enjoying worship. Do you know that, that, that I saw Pastor Drew taking notes because I knew that the lyrics quit going up in the middle screen for some reason? Love you, production. Come on, somebody. Give production a hand. Love y'all. Not blaming anybody. I don't care. I just worship Jesus. I just enjoyed the moment, Right? But I noticed, right, and so, so it's easy for me to go to churches or go to places or, or, or get involved in relationship and see all the things that went wrong, all the wrongs in their life, all the wrongs going on here, and none of, the, none of the rights. How about I start looking for the gold, looking for the blessings, looking for the good things in their life, just enjoying what God's put in them. When I fix my focus on what I look for, some of y'all are looking for dirt all the time, and there's gold right under the surface. I'm, talk, I'm talking to myself too. Like, like it's easy to find the dirt. It takes some digging to find the gold. And so some of you, I'm encouraging you today, go and change what you're actually looking for. Anybody can stir up a muddy stream, a, a stream and make it muddy. You can take anything and muddy it up, right? Like look for gold. Change your focus on what you look for. Verse six says, love finds no delight in what is wrong. Don't notice everything that's wrong. When you're focused on you, you don't have time to focus on what's wrong in their life. Hear, hear, hear this. Relinquish your rights and begin to accept responsibility. That's what happens when you begin to say, God, purify me. And then, and here's, here's the more important part. Focus on 
Re- change your focus on who you look to. Change your focus on what you look for and change your focus on who you look to. What do I mean by that? I mean that God, Holy Spirit, Jesus, it's no special order, okay? Don't freak out. (laughs) Smell like, it's Jesus second. this biblical church <laughs> I don't know about this hurt. Um, you would leave my handwriting before you did uh, my order of the trinity <laughs> handwriting is horrific I'm a lefty okay somebody I gave you that disclaimer on the front end do not judge me what are you looking for gold or dirt today change who you're looking to. So many of us are looking to our spouse for happiness. So many of us are looking to our spouse for wrongs. So many of us are looking to to what he said. So many of us, it does not say that our spouse shall be our strength. It says that the joy of the Lord shall be our, not the joy of our spouse, not the joy of our relational status, not the joy of that person that's sitting. That's not our strength. Says that the joy of the Lord shall be our strength. That we now listen, when you change who you're looking to, you begin to focus here, right? And as you look to Jesus, you say, Jesus, purify me. Romans 12, 2 says this: that you will renew your mind. Be not conformed to the world. I I got it in the ERV translation. You know what the ER E uh E no, no, not the ESV. It's the E-R-L, I think. No, E hold on. I got it. Hold on. Hold on. ERV, I was right. Easy to read version. That's a real version. And we, listen, you need this, you need this as simple as you can get it. You need this as easy as you can understand it. We need it. Don't change yourselves to be like the people of this world, but let God change you inside with a new way of thinking. Renew your mind. Come on, a lot of times we're changing them. We're working on them. Watch what happens. When you begin to focus on God, you begin to go up towards God. He begins to change you. He begins to draw you closer. And when they begin to focus on God and they begin to believe God, look where you guys are ending up. Look how you begin to draw closer together as you actually pursue change in the path that God has for you. And as God begins to purify your heart, as God begins to work in you, now you look across and you're side by side and you're indifferent. Now look, if someone's at a different level, it's okay as long as both people are pursuing God and pursuing life change and pursuing what he has for them. I just encourage us in the, in the, in the focus of our life. I think it's not easy. Come on, this is painful sometimes. This journey And we actually have to deal with stuff. And what happens is when we start going towards God and he purifies us, all this junk starts coming to the top. And then you feel defeated and Satan beats you up going, look, I did it again. I'm angry again. Lost my temper again. Fell into that sin again. Messed up again. And so listen to me. Here's what's beautiful. Yeah, you might have done it again, but you're sorry for it this time. It used to be that it didn't matter. It was all them. Or all, it was just, now God's actually, the fact that you care The fact that you even notice is actually proof that you're growing and moving towards the things of God. Don't let Satan confuse you and trick you and make you think just because you messed up, you're not in this progression. You're not in this journey. That's actually proof that you are in. 
that it bothers and it's concerning to you. I think it's important that we, that we change our focus, make it a priority. And i got a couple other quick thoughts, and I want to close today. Find your fun. It's a little less heavy. Find your fun. And the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 9, come on, husbands, love the wife of your youth. It says, it says enjoy, the li- enjoy life with your beloved wife. Enjoy life. Like, go, guys, come on, go on dates. Ladies, you know, yes, the kids are going to cry. Things aren't going to be all perfect. The house is going to be dirty, but it's going to be there when you get back. Like the kids will quit crying when you leave home. <laughs> go on a date. Husbands, get a plan. Where you want to go? I don't know where you want to go. I don't know where you want to go. Where you want to go? Where you want to go? It's a recipe for a fight waiting to happen. Y'all are pissed off, mad at each other, couldn't figure out where to eat. Can I say pissed off in church? I can. I got the microphone. Hey, we're talking about marriage and relationships. There could be a lot of different words I used up here, somebody. And I mean, you know, get a plan. Guys, take off your cargo shorts. Take off your fishing shirt. Put on some cologne. Or cologne in the South. You know, I don't know. Get a plan. Find, you, 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 your marriage can be rekindled when you have some fun together, right? When we don't have any money. You got an iPhone 11. You got a new lease on a car. You got all kinds of stuff. Prioritize some stuff. Passion will follow it. And you don't need a bunch of money. Go do something in town. I don't know. Go for a hike. Go to, go to the park. Go to Gatlinburg. We got, the, we got people that come from all over the world to go to the Smoky Mountains to check that out. You've never even been there. I'm talking about don't know what to do. People come from, you know, from Japan over there. You know what I'm saying? You walk around, there's people from Japan. You can make it if they get it. They're from Japan. <laughs> Proverbs 5.18 Listen to this. So be happy with your wife and find your joy with the woman you're married to. Look what it says. Find your joy. You only find what you're looking for. You only find what you're looking for. You're not going to find it if you're not trying to find joy and look for joy and figure out things fun to do. Rekindle some stuff in your marriage. And the last one, this is the most important. Fight for forgiveness fight for forgiveness people do not fall out of love they fall out of forgiveness if you're going to have a healthy marriage healthy relationships of any type you're going to have to have a very short memory of wrongs done to you and a very long patient heart full of love it's just the reality like jesus said it and peter's like how many times should we forgive and jesus like 70 times seven like 490 times jensen franklin says this forgiveness is not the practice of keeping count it's the practice of losing count lose count like it's just it's just forgiving like you're going to have every opportunity to forgive reminds me of a story in the bible second kings 5 9 through 12 some of you are right here in this place when it comes to marriage naming this rich man he's got leprosy he goes and he hears about the prophet elijah and he asked to get healed he goes to elijah's town it says then naaman went with his horses and chariot and he stood at the door of elijah's house and elijah represented god elijah sent a messenger to him saying go and wash in the jordan seven times and your flesh will be made restored and you shall be clean but naaman became furious and he went away indeed i said to myself he surely will come out to me and stand and call in the name of the lord god and wave his hand over this place and he shall heal my leprosy are not the arbana and the far par the rivers of damascus better than all the waters of israel could i not wash in them and be clean so he turned and went away in a rage some of y'all think that you just come to church and your marriage is messed up. Just come to the altar and pastor's going to wave his hand or prayer team's going to just wave their hand and it's all going to be better. 
Then you're upset and you're angry about unmet expectations. Man, the instructions he had weren't hard. Go dip seven times in the Jordan River. He just wasn't humble. Come on, the things that I'm telling you aren't hard. You're just not humble. It takes work seven times to dip, seven times. To, it takes work. It takes going back. It takes getting people in your life. It takes opening up. It takes forgiving. And some of you got unmet expectations. And like Naaman, he's like, I thought he'd do this. And he's furious now. You're like, God, I thought marriage would be different. I thought this would be different. I thought it would be like this, God, or like this. And uh, I was better off single, God. And you got these things in your heart. And like, but God can heal and restore and fix your marriage. Marriage is so valuable to God, so valuable to me, it's so valuable to us. And no matter how deep the wound is or how hurt it is, if people put grace and favor and forgiveness and the word of God involved in it, there's nothing too deep and too scarred that can't be healed by God. Looking for love in all the wrong places. I think so often we're looking for love and I, I got a couple minutes with you. I think we look for love in eros love. That's what culture does. Eros, there's three words for love. Eros is erotic. That's most of culture. Erotic love, passion, attraction, fire, and fuego. Heat. Passion. Do you, do you know that Eros love is never said in the New Testament one time? That word's never used in the New Testament. It's the, there's a Greek God, the God of love, right? Eros, it, it's that kind of love. You're like, well, we have this passion. We're just attracted. We're just, man, I just, whoo. Man, you could be walking down the sidewalk and see a guy or a girl and be like, whoo. Like, it just, that stuff comes and goes, right? It's like, you see that, and it's like, man, I'm attracted to that. You're like, what's up, girl? No, I'm like, legs. Hey, you don't even know nothing. You don't even need to speak the same language. You hot? Woo-hoo. Yeah, I mean, okay. And then you get married <laughs> and, and, and you didn't see all the things they picked and dug at and did. <laughs> you didn't know their faults and flaws. They picked their nose. They picked their toes. They pick other stuff. <laughs> and now you see those things and you're like, ooh. and that fire is kind of cooled off. And then there's phileo love, phileo. That kind of love is friendship. Deep friendship, right? That's great. But it, do, it doesn't stay the same all the time. You can't build on that. You can't build a life on that. It's like puppy love, right? You ever have a puppy? It's like the puppy's so cute, like licking you in the face. like. And then it grows up and it's like five years old and it's licking its butt. Like, man, don't you have dry mouth? You're licking your butt for like 30 minutes. What are you doing? And then wants to come and lick you in the face. And you're like, man, get out of my face. You're not licking. You're not, not coming near me. You've been licking your rear end. That's that, that's that friendship love. That's, it's like baby love. Again, it's like so cute, so cute, so cute. Now they're teenagers. They're greasy. They stink. I still love them, but it's not like, ooh, it's not the same kind of love anymore. That love changes. That love shifts, and, and, and it's, not, it's just different. You don't build on that. Paul says that we build on agape-o love. Uh, it's a love that does not change. It's a love that abides. It's a love that doesn't fail. It's a dirt. He says, now this kind of love abides. What's abide? It lasts. It goes through some stuff. It's mature the way for something to be durable is it has to withstand some tests of time some pain some hurts some failures some foundation repairs it it stands strong and i want a love that lasts 
I think you want a love that lasts. That's a love that's gone through some stuff and said, you know what, I'm believing for someone else besides me. I'm relinquishing my rights. I'm going to accept responsibility. I'm going to pursue God and I'm going to actually get into the closet and begin to build some stuff in my foundation. That's the family. That's La Familia. That's, that's dealing with you and letting God do some things to heal you and heal me. Last verse for the day and we're going home. I think that forgiveness is so important because forgiveness actually allows the person to grow beyond their biggest mistakes. When you won't forgive, you don't allow someone to become the person God created them to be. You actually hold them in a place in time that they can never get out of. And they can never be in your eyes who God designed them to be if you won't let go and forgive. Paul says this kind of love is patient it bears all things hopes all things believes all this is you can't get this love in a classroom guys listen you can't get this love from one sermon this is this is love at the foot of the cross and and it might be painful to get here but anything that drives you to the foot of the cross is worth it anything that pushes you to the feet of jesus is worth it and he's the only one that can instill and fill us with this type of love It's a love that doesn't seek its own, the love that can give love to its enemies, a love that doesn't want anything in return, a love that can be hurt and keep being hurt and keep giving and keep loving and keep rebuilding. That's a a God kind of love. Colossians 3.15 says this, let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other. Come on, Father, I pray the peace of God would keep us in tune with our spouses in our relationships none of this going off and doing your own thing none of this living for your own corner none of this staying separate and going off and 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 focusing on all the wrong things none of this doing your own thing but cultivate thankfulness and let the word of christ listen this the message have run of the house give it plenty of room in your lives do you stand to your feet with me today Give the word of God plenty of room in your life. I don't know what's in your heart right now. Maybe you feel like, man, Jamie, I don't have plenty of room in my heart to forgive. I've been hurt. I don't have plenty of room in my heart. You know what? My heart's full of pain. It's full of mistrust. It's full of maybe a disgrace. Maybe it's full of shame. Maybe you feel shame about how you've acted. Maybe you can't forgive yourself. Maybe your heart's full of regret. I don't know what your heart's full of, but if you would be honest, you'd say, you know what? I've been trying to look past it. I've been trying to forgive. The Bible right here says, give God's word room in your heart. And today, if you would actually, as we pray, if you would actually say, okay, okay, I'm going to give your word, your word, Jesus, room in my heart to have run of my house. I believe God can heal some things and fix some things today. I want to pray with you. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you that we, we look to you. We seek you. We ask you to purify our hearts. Supernaturally, God, it's going to take work. It's going to take humility. It's going to take effort. It's going to take supernatural Holy Spirit power. I pray we would live on agapeo love, that it would be a love that you give us. If you're in this place today, no one looking around, not going to embarrass you, but if you'd say, you know what, I need to make room in my heart. My heart's been kind of crowded out with some unforgiveness or some bitterness or maybe some regret, maybe some shame, maybe some shame. I don't know what, what your heart's been full of, but the Bible says, give the word of Christ room in your heart. If you'd be honest and say, I need to give God some room in my heart for my marriage or my relationship or my spouse. I need to make some room in there for some areas. Would you put your hand up to me right now? No one looking around. I got to make some room. Come on, hands across the house. Father, thank you. I got my, my hand up. I got my heart up. Come on, we got our hearts up to you, God. We're making room right now, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we're making some room. God, fix us, purify us. We put our focus on you, Jesus. 
We don't fix them, God. We prioritize us. We focus on our heart. Lord, do your work in our heart. We make room for forgiveness right now. We make room for priority. We make room for fun. We make room for grace. We make room for forgiveness, God, right now. Lord, I pray today that we would leave here and that your grace would keep us in step with one another, like a new step, a new pace. Even those that raise their hand, there'd be a new in sync with each other as they leave church today and as they communicate and as they talk and as they love you and as they worship and as they raise kids and as they deal with finances and as they deal with jobs and pressure and bills and houses and, and incomes and rents and dreams and future, God, and all the day-to-day, Lord. All the little things in the closet, God, that maybe be, maybe you're cramming up the heart. God, I pray today there'd be an in sync, an in step. No one running off doing their own thing, ignoring it. God, I pray today is a new day, a shift. We ask you to fill our hearts up, God. If you're in this place, just for another second, if you're here and you say, you know what, Jamie, I've never made room for God in my heart in the first place. You're talking about the family and God and Jesus and I've never really surrendered my life to him. Well, that's great. You're in the right place. There's no judgment. There's no shame. I'm not talking about fixing your life and then giving it to Jesus. I'm talking about Jesus is the one that died for you. All your sin, all your shame, all your regret, took all of that, put it on a cross to give you his heart and his life, a brand new start. If you're here and you'd say, I need a fresh start with God. I need to surrender to God and make him my savior. I'm going to make room in my heart for God today for the first time. No one looking around. I'm I'm going to ask you to put your hand up to me. On three, if you just say, I need a fresh start with Jesus. I know I'm not right with him. I know he doesn't have room in my life. I want to give him room this morning. On three, one, two, three. Would you put your hand up to me? I need a fresh start with God this morning. I need a fresh start in my faith. Anybody at all? Awesome. Awesome. Father, thank you for this house. Jesus, we thank you right now as we pray that you came and gave your life for us. We surrender to you as Lord and Savior. Lord, every person that put their hand up and their heart up right now, God, I pray that you would fill them with your spirit, save them, remove all sin, shame, and guilt. Give them your life and give them a brand new fresh start. We declare that you are our Lord and you are Savior. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Come on, give God a hand. Praise of ovation.